Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, your favorite podcast. Well, not just yours, everybody's favorite podcast. Well, I'm talking to the one who's listening. Whoever is listening, this oh. is now their favorite podcast. That's right, Barnabas. Yeah. This is your favorite podcast. <laughs> Actually, we know it's Jared Wilson's favorite podcast, and he has one. Well, yeah. Have you heard his? Well, <laughs> his can't be his own favorite podcast. Like, this is our favorite podcast. This is our favorite podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah his isn't anybody's favorite podcast. <laughs> not even his own. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, don't, I had jokes, but I, I don't no, know. No, we're trying to be nice. Hey, I'm Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, Elder Canda at Redeemer Fellowship. And what we do here on Doctrine and Devotion is we talk about stuff. The, theology and stuff. Things. But generally, we are coming from a Reformed Ideas. Baptist perspective. Ideology. Ideologies. But before we get to that, mm. I... Recently saw a movie, and you recently saw a movie. Why don't we share what movie we watched? Because we, we, we <laughs> took our kids, and we saw different movies. We each saw different movies, okay, yes. so yesterday, I took my kids. Mm-hmm. Was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. I don't remember. Yeah, anyway, because you bailed out on Steve and I. Oh, yeah. So I took my kids to go and see A Quiet Place, which sounds real oh, nice. That, wow. Yeah. Really? How, how good was it? Like, it, I mean, it was good. A Quiet Place, was it like touchy-feely? Would you, would you characterize it? There was some that? touching and feeling. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay, but I mean, yeah. is it like... You know, oh, hey, try to find and sent to yourself in your quiet place. No, like, what are you talking about? No, that's weird. That's new age nonsense. No, I don't, this, I don't know. It's just the name of it. I, it's what, what's the movie place. about? It, it, it's, it's about these monsters killing kids and stuff. Yeah, you know. What kind of movie are you taking kind, kids kind of to? Stuff I, take my kids, I take my kids to see that kind of movie. It's good. Are you, are you, it's got wait, Emily Blunt in it. Wait, are you kidding me or are you being serious? You know what I, you know what I told my, my kids? I said, I said, all oh, right. You're being serious. Yeah. Why would you take them to that? It's a great movie. Well, it's not great. It's a good movie. Why would you take your kids to that? Because they're like they're they're they're, they're, they're these people. How old are your kids? Fight. Bonger's eight. Are you telling me you took Bonger? No, I took the older ones, the teenagers. Aha, uh-huh, See. Oh, how old are they? Sixteen. I know one. Sixteen. And fourteen. And fourteen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's I went. So we went. Uh, you know what? They're place. old enough. Yeah, they're, they're old, old enough. enough. It was good. It was good. What did mm. you now? What did you go see? Black Panther. Yeah, really good movie. What? Why? Oh, I know. Okay. No, what do you mean? Why? Oh, MLK fifty. Is that why you went? Oh my goodness! No, no. I'm just saying. Is that why you no, went? That is not. No, why. no. I don't know. I'm asking why you went. No. So why I... would you go see a Marvel movie? Okay, because... they're the worst. Marvel movies no, are the my worst. My kids love them. I actually really enjoy them. Okay. And with I the did new, hear that with the new Infinity War coming out, you we, had to see this. We had to see this. One. Now I heard and that my, this is actually really. And good. my kids, we like to go, and we like to. They want to see it in the theater. Yeah, of course. So, but I because I've got young kids, right. I got to wait two months later from the release. Because, you know, I mean, I've got kids that are six, five, and three and a half. They like to talk during yeah, the movie. Right. So I don't want to ruin it for everybody else. So I right. go two months later, yep. matinee, matinee, 10 a.m. Right. And I'm like, right. listen, if someone complains at that point, I'm sorry, yeah, dude. Too I, bad. I waited. You, and you did your part. I, I did I like, my part. That's really respond. I love that you take the movie going experience so seriously uh, for people that aren't in your family. Mm. Wait, but, wait, what do you mean by but, that? Well, like, okay, so you you go to the movies and you're, you 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 value the movie going experience yeah. so much yeah. that you don't want to ruin it for people who aren't in your family. But Correct. you but you did ruin it for your family How? because when you not. took your kids to not. see Black Panther, yes. you did you get them popcorn? No. Did you get them candy? No. Wow, dude. No, because we wow. just had breakfast. Oh, who cares? That doesn't just, mean anything. Uh, we just you had breakfast. Always, which, which, you know, always when, I say, when I say we just had breakfast, they had donuts. We stopped at Dimple Donuts. So it's not like they had okay. the healthiest of breakfasts. Yeah, dude, they, they needed pop. You got to give. Listen, I took I took two of my kids to go see A Quiet Place. Mm-hmm. That was like, I think that was like, uh, it was like 30 something bucks. And then we each got popcorn and drinks. That was another 40 something bucks. Yeah, see? Yeah. Oh, oh, hey. Dude, you still owe me twenty, and all of a sudden you told me you didn't. Yeah, have the you're going to be waiting a little bit longer. You didn't have the money, and you got the- my kids come first. 
And, he, you know, at least this is better than what my dad did for us when we were growing up. Oh, I can imagine what he'd do. Well, we'd go into the theater. Yeah. And, you know, at the, uh, uh, the 25 cent refills. Yeah. Yeah. So we'd go into the theater and he'd reach into the trash bin right inside oh, the yeah. thing. Yeah. He would just tap the bottom out. So it was all empty. You know, that the was popcorn. clean. Now yeah. it's clean. The popcorn's clean. And he would have to take the bucket back to the front. Yeah, that's fine. 25 cent refill. Yeah. That I, 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 I mean, no, I mean, it's wrong to do, but like, yeah, that's. That's not dirty. It's fine. I, I oh, think, it's not dirty. No, it's not dirty. I mean, it's you know, it's it's not the right thing to do. But uh, I would eat out of and it. And we totally looked, you know, the part. My dad would be wearing these uh, cut off uh, purple jean shorts. Did he have the long hair back then too? He had the long hair. <laughs> <laughs> cut off. It was either his cut off purple jean shorts or oh, his purple no. spandex shorts. What in the? And he world? would just wear that everywhere, everywhere. Wow. And so yeah, here's my dad got his cut off jean shorts. Tapping the uh, the back of the, the yeah. popcorn and twenty five cent refills, yeah. and now he's driving around. Was he driving? He drives a Bentley. <laughs> yeah, now he. Can... <laughs> Come on, he had a Jaguar back then. He could have got <laughs> no, that, but that's how guys get the Jaguar that's and the Bentley. They the save all them quarters. All right, man. So listen, we wanted to talk about something that's come up over the years. Uh, more of an idea, really. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we're going to talk about the danger of idealism. And the reason we thought we should talk about this is because we've seen it play itself out negatively in churches in certain areas. And we've even even wrestled with it um, here at Redeemer from time to time over the years. Yeah. And so trying to sort through how do we, you know, how do we handle the things that God is giving us? Right. 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 Because we have a perspective. We have certain values. We have an ideal. We have preferences. Yep. Well, but we have an ideal that we think like the ideal is um, one's conception of the perfect. That's what okay, the ideal yeah, is, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So when you think of like the perfect church, when you think about like this is the perfect way to do it, that year you have your ideal. And so we have that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so idealism is the pursuit of that perfection. That's yes. what idealism is. Yep. And so we are, uh, hopefully, all church leaders are somewhat idealistic. I hope that you would be a little like, ah, you hope you would pursue perfection oh, agree. you know to, yeah, you, to a certain degree though i mean that's the whole idea of having the mission and vision of the church right right is is you're trying to see okay that's what good. is it that god is calling us to and how do we get there right. and if you're not ideally thinking this is what god is giving us or god is i don't know i don't want to word it in such a no like, you're good like the vision that god has given us i don't yeah. want to sound charismatic when i say that but no, you understand that right yeah. like this this idealism you should be all of us should be trying to pursue the best out there for us. Yeah, so I love that. I mean, that you're exactly right. I think that's really, really smart. Um, mission, vision, that's where we're going. That's where we're going. So there's, an, there's, a, there's a sense in which we are idealistic. Yeah, um, we all but, are. But generally, when people talk about idealism or people being idealistic, there's a negative connotation that they are unrealistic. And that, so that's the danger of idealism. Is Do you that, think it's just that it's unrealistic? Or for some that would say it's unre- unrealistic or that some would think you're being irrational in your pursuit. Does that, I don't know if there, maybe there's not a difference there. Well, I'm thinking about the, I'm thinking about the goal and then the strive for the goal, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, uh, yeah, they, they, there might be overlap there. I mean, you're, if you're being unrealistic in terms of what is happening, what has to happen in order to get to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I think there's, there's, I think there's probably overlap, but Either way, continue. Yeah, you totally made me lose my train of thought. I have no idea what oh, I was going perfect. to say now. Thanks uh, yeah, for interrupting yeah, me. No, you're at a quiet place. Yes, yes. Pat. 
Oh, oh no one heard it. Did I say anything? No, you didn't. He no sometimes interrupts. Pat, you sometimes interrupt. No, stop. It's not you a big deal. He listens. He knows. He knows he does. talk like that. He hit, Rob does too. Yep. Hey, Rob, you listening? <laughs> no, probably not. If, if you were here, you'd probably interrupt, be interrupting me right now. All right. So we all can be idealistic. Um, so the danger of, of idealism is mm. we can be so fixated on a perfect uh, concept yeah. that uh, we will not make any room for change or adjustments that might be necessary uh, for us to deal with reality. So maybe that doesn't make any sense. Um, Have there been examples of that like that you could yeah, think of? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That so, we could, well, not to slam, but I'm just trying to... Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll, t- we'll talk about what we're going through too, um, which is the same basic thing. Let's just deal with the way that we conceive of our churches. So uh, Mark Dever uh, is an awesome dude, uh, one of the great, I think one of the great pastors of our yeah. era and um, a great thinker. Um, and uh, yeah, so love Mark Dever. Uh, Mark and those guys have a perspective on the local church uh, that I am in very much in agreement with. Mm-hmm. But the way they work it out is um, a congregation can only be made up of one gathering. As soon as you have multiple gatherings, of different people, even if it's in the same location, you don't have one church, you have multiple churches. So in other words, if you have one church with three services, that's not one church, that's basically three churches. That's three churches in one, yeah. And since he does not want to break up the congregation or have three churches instead of one, uh, they would, uh, and I don't know what they're doing now, but for years, they would not have multiple services because they they, went against their their ideology. You're multiple churches then. Um, Jimmy, you gonna look it up and see if they have multiple services. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to. I'm going to their website. Go ahead. So um, that's. That, I think that's a key. And so here's what happens: uh, is you're you're basically saying, uh, "Wow, we have we have 500 seats or 100 seats, and we're getting more people that can fit in those seats. So we have to turn people away." Now, this is my recollection of listening to Mark talk about this: was that people? Yeah, they only they only have one. People are literally there's no room. They have to walk away. Now, um, now I wouldn't want to debate Mark because he would tie me in a knot and throw me in the in the wastebasket mm. over his shoulder without looking. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I, I would say that I think that is an example of being so idealistic that you you are no longer working with reality. I, in my mind, if I have people coming to our church that want to get inside to hear the gospel, that God has been working in them, drawing yes. them to His Son, yes. that God is preparing somebody for the Word. And, and they come to our church, but they have to leave because we won't offer another service. I think that that is off the mark. I think it would be better. Oh, off the mark. Mark. <laughs> no, it's on the mark. That's the problem. It needs to get off the mark and get on the Joe. <laughs> get on the Jofo. That's what it needs to get on. So I think that's an example where you're saying like, look, I, I understand your, your ideology is based upon biblical principles. Yes. But... And I will, and I and I actually really like that yeah. idea. I would so love to have, we have that. We have that same thing. The difference is, is we think it is best to be one service for one congregation. Yes. But I don't think the Bible demands that no. if you have to go to multiple services, that somehow you are no longer one church and you have to have Mm-mm. separate constitutions and all that. I, I think reality should force you to deal with that problem and you have to get a little creative. Now as, as guys who generally like black and white, 
Oh, we, yeah. we like things to be clear. Mm-hmm. Jimmy is a detailed guy. He likes contracts. <laughs> he, he, oh, yeah. I have a he, friendship contract with Joe. Yeah. Well, it's the only way I can have friends. And uh, <laughs> But Jimmy has now like uh, finalized it. So now it's just easy. I just have the, everybody sign the same one. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, 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 we like black and white. We like things to be crystal clear. And sometimes... You know, some aspects of ecclesiology just aren't as clear as no. we would like them to be. So I think there's a danger there of getting in the way of what God could be using you for yeah. uh, because of your ideology. And so I'm, that, that concerns me. That's basically one example out there. And we've been wrestling with some We've been that. wrestling with that. And I like that. I mean, you said like getting in the way, you know, our ideology getting in the way of what God is doing, because if God is drawing people— and to hear the gospel uh, and you're turning them away, you know, that, that to me is an issue. Your ideology is now uh, more important than gospel proclamation. You know, and again, I, I don't want to disagree with the basic idea. I know. I love the basic idea, but I, and, and listen, we're all, we're all wearing our Calvin t-shirts here. Mm-hmm. We're all five pointers. We're all, we're all reformed guys. So we know that nobody can stop what God is doing. No, but if you are saying, wow, if, if like, wow, God keeps bringing people to our church um, and instead of adjusting so that we can minister to those people, we're going to say no. Uh, well, that doesn't mean those people won't get saved, but mm-hmm. it does mean that they're going to go somewhere else and you missed out on the opportunity that God brought to you. Yeah. So yeah. I think that would be kind of where, you know, you look at what Whitfield and Wesley did um, for different reasons. They started going out into the fields. Mm-hmm. Wesley wasn't having it. He didn't like the idea. Whitfield was like, dude, put away your ideology. We got to get out here and like we're running out of space in the churches that will have us and a lot of churches won't have us. So let's go out in the field. Mm-hmm. Let's go pre, let's go stand on a stump and let's just get it done. So I, I think there's, there's, some, there's some issues there that, you know, we need to be a little more sensitive to, a little more creative with, a little more flexible about. Um, but this, this relates to some of what we're going through. Yeah. I mean, as a church, we're growing and I think we've seen it over the past three years, four years, maybe. Yeah. Um, we've just kind of seen this cyclical, the last three. Yeah. Yeah. We've kind of seen the cyclical nature and I know Joe and I've disagreed on the cycle. You said to me, you no, said to me at a meeting, you said, I don't agree with that. I, I, no, don't, I don't agree think. with a particular thing of what you were saying, but with the cycle, I agree. Yeah. We no, 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 well, this, well, yeah, okay. wait, nobody what, cares. Wait, nobody cares. No, how do you not disagree? How do you disagree with the one point that I was making, which is the whole point about the cycle? Okay. We one way that you were saying that I disagreed with. Yeah. But that there has been a cycle, we see. Yeah. All right, fine. You know, there's a cyclical nature. And I think as people start to... No, well, what are you talking about? What is the cyclical oh, nature? Oh, sorry. I think uh, for a lot of churches, uh, broadly speaking, there seems to be an influx of individuals coming and checking it out um, in the fall. You kind of ramp up in the fall. That's why people, you know, a lot of churches start their new series, new something or another in the fall because you're trying to engage these new people coming in. Uh, but then... You, you kind of see it then uh, at Easter as well. So you see the fall, Easter. There's uh, Easter spring. Easter spring, yeah. And then summer, there's a dip. Summer, there's a dip as People well. People are vacationing, yeah, chilling, right. and then fall. So the thing is, though, is that as we've ramped up over the years, we've gotten to this certain spot, but because of the size of our church, I think— and I, Size I, of our church building. Size of our church building. I think this is where Joe and I disagree, but uh, I think that people are uncomfortable when they come in and there's no space— um, and they're just jam-packed in there that they say, you know what, there's no room here. I'm going to go check out somewhere right, else. Right. We uh, don't disagree on that. Go ahead. Oh, okay. There you go. Um, and so I think for us, what we need to be looking at then is uh, how do we get more seats? Now, we've, we've looked at every which way because I, ideally, I wish we were one service. I wish we had a bigger church building. 
I wish we can go off site. I wish we could rent a facility and uh, just gather together. I've, I've, the last two years, I've sat there and I've, I've thought to myself every Christmas and every Easter, I wish we could just find a spot that we could gather together at least twice a year. Yeah, the whole, the whole church, um, but it just hasn't panned out. Um, and unfortunately, with the building campaign and everything, we're not one of these churches and these leaderships that shove the building campaign down people's throats. Right. You know, we've been slow about it the last two years. We've we've asked individuals, we've talked to the members, and uh, what the information we received is we're just not in the spot. Where we're going to be able to fund. To be able to fund uh, a campaign. So the issue for us is is our slow growth over the years yeah. um, has put us at a point where we had to leave one service and go to two services. That's right. And so now we're at two services. And now we're getting to a point where we're outgrowing that. So... The issue really is, what do we do? Do we go to a third service? Nobody likes that. No one likes it. Do we start an off-site campus and and do that? Nobody likes that. No. Nope. Um, we've we've looked at the options that you said. Well, can we can we meet off-site in one as one group? Nobody will have us. No one will have us. No, there's no guarantee we can have a certain you know certain facilities every Sunday, or it's just cost prohibitive. We just can't afford. So 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 now what do we do? We don't we don't like multiple services, but mm-hmm. we're having to do it. And we've been planting churches. It's not like we're trying to no. keep everybody for ourselves. So what we've been dealing with is, okay, so how then, what are we going to have to give up? Yeah. We're going to have to give up something yeah. in order to deal with this because people keep coming. So in our case, we're saying, uh, and some of you are wondering who, or maybe you're newer to the podcast. You don't know the size of Redeemer. We're not a big church. We have, just have a small building. So we have um, we're probably averaging, I know we're averaging 270 something. Um, Easter Sunday was 315, but, uh, two weeks before that or three weeks before that, we were over 300 then. Um, and so it kind of fluctuates around, but 270 something's the average. Yep, yep, that's it. Yep, yep. So, uh, we're a small church, but we're outgrowing our space. So, um, what are we going to do? Well, the first time we had to give up was when we went to two services. Can't be so idealistically driven yeah. that we simply get in the way of reality or what God could be doing. We don't want to give up our principles. We no. don't want to give up on what we're all about, but we do have to be somewhat flexible to deal with what God is actually doing. And one of those, there's a few principles that we we had to kind of work through, right? Mm-hmm. One was, as you're talking about now, and that's that's what we're looking at is, do we go... <clears throat> uh, do we go to three services when we'd rather be at one? Mm-hmm. But a second principle is, you know, we do want to plant churches, but we want to plant healthy churches That's with right. healthy leaders. And we just don't have at a guy ready. Oh, no. Tony ain't ready. He's oh, not ready to no. go plant. Hey, Tony, you ain't, you ain't ready. <laughs> <laughs> and there, we have guys that are just not ready yet. Yeah. And so it would be, it would be uh, irresponsible of us right. to send out a planter that's not ready and to deal with our space issue. Exactly. The 2018 Doctrine and Devotion Conference is just around the corner, but there's still time to register. It's going to be bigger than last year, and that's thanks to our seven sponsors. We Wait, have seven? Seven? Oh, yes, we big time now. That's a holy number. B&H Academic, who put out the Spurgeon Study Bible. There's Moody Publishers, who put out your three books. We got Logos Bible Software. We got Mission Aware. We got Legacy Dads. It's oh, all going to be cool. great. Yeah, and we also have uh, some amazing coffee uh, that's roasted locally here by Fresh yeah. Ground Roast. And the coffee is brought to you by Crossway Publishers and Soldiers of Christ Prison Ministries, led by Scott Kalis out of Redeemer Fellowship. This is a ministry where Scott disciples men who are incarcerated, helping them to become better followers of Christ and better dads as they exit the prison system. So you do not want to miss out on this. Go to DrDevotion.com and register 
now. Uh, and I think the the other thing, one another principle is we want to be fiscally responsible. Yeah, we we you know we don't want to sit here and, and burden the body with the finances uh, when people are generously, mm-hmm. sacrificial, <laughs> sacrificially and faithfully giving right. towards the offering. And then to force something else upon them yeah. is just not right. Yeah, um, it, it, it's not fair to them, and you know it, it, it could lead to failure too, which yeah. could lead to a, a, a even greater hindrance. And so, as we're looking at this, like the, it's coming down to okay, so do we start an offsite campus like in the downtown area of our city uh, with fifty of our people, and that would require like you know a lot of extra stuff, or do we start a third service yeah. uh, here on campus, and and then if we do that. What are the concessions that we're going to have to make? Just for example, I'll give you one easy one. Our services last an hour and a half. They actually last a little less than that, but we book ourselves an hour and a half. Yeah. That's longer than most churches are doing. Yep. Um, but, you know, people just, they love it when I preach. They want me to preach as long as possible. Yep. Like, I was like, I'll just preach like 30 minutes. And I'm like, no, please preach an hour. Now, our people want me to preach like over no, an hour is what they're asking. No. no, I think that's pretty much no what No one's it, ever yeah, said they, that. They, they would you just, and in fact, they would like it to just all be my preaching. No, they don't even want to sing I anymore. I don't think I remember pretty that. Pretty sure that's I, what I it is. I missed that meeting. Pretty no, sure that's what it is. You're wrong. So, yeah, they love what we do. We have this with how we do it. But if we go to three services, there's going to have to be an adjustment on the time. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, a lot of churches do what? Four songs? Yeah, we do six. Yeah, we do six. You know, we preach for 40 minutes. We preach for 40 or minutes. Or more. We do communion every, every week. Yep. You know, so we have this, we have multiple uh, scripture readings. Multiple scripture readings, responsive readings. Yeah, yep. all that. So, yeah, we have to kind of look and say, okay, what gets cut? What doesn't? And then you have to deal with like, how much are we going to cut? Are we going to strip it down to an hour? Like, listen, I know that's not bad, but to us, it, f- it would feel like we're going fast food. It would yeah. just like, oh my gosh. We're, yeah, and I feel like it, I wouldn't be able to enjoy the uh, ask. The, it wouldn't, it would be hard to enjoy what we leave in if we're rushing through it. Right. So, you know, so then, so then we start to think like, enjoy is not the right word. You no, know I, know, I, mean, I, enjoy God. I don't want people to be thinking. Glorify God and enjoy him forever. Thank brother. you. Thank you. All right. Hey, haters. <laughs> I know. Put I down, can just hear someone saying. Fingers oh. off the keyboard. Yeah, exactly. I can just hear people like, oh, trying oh. to get every, oh, it's all about his it's joy. It's all about him. Um, so as we're thinking down like, okay, so what are the concessions that we would have to make if we did a third service? One of them is, um, well, we'd probably have to adjust the time. And so if our services are normally going about an hour and 20 or an hour and 25, yeah. we could probably tighten it up to an hour and 15 and make it a, like, definitely it's over by then for sure. Definitely. 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 And, um, and that would save us a little bit of time going to three services. And then there are, but we wouldn't want to give more than that. No. Another concession that we'd have to consider is since we are already maxed out, we have what over ninety percent of our members are serving. Yes, um, and and so and that's just our members. We're not including regular attenders. Yeah, the the half Christians, the half and, Christians, uh, the, those the, that love us but don't aren't committed to us. Right? Yeah, we're committed to you. Yeah, but not, yeah, not but committed not the to other us. way. Yeah. yeah, no, we get it. It's fine. <laughs> it's like me and Jimmy. That's All pretty right, much so, it. <laughs> yeah, we, we would say that. Um, what was I talking about? I don't even remember. Uh, you're saying concessions, 90% of our people are Yeah, so serving. like 90% of our people are serving, and um, and yet we still barely cover all the needs for children and yeah. for children's ministry during the teaching hour. So one of the things that we have to work through is, is okay, well, do we add a third service without childcare? 
Um, because if we add a third service and we, I mean, if we can barely cover two services, how are we going to cover three? Yeah. So is there a way that we can cover that or do we have to face, is there a stark reality that's telling us, we know you want childcare at every service, but maybe you don't have it at the, at the, at one of them and you have it at the other two and everybody knows that way all the kids are taken care of, but you know, and so it's like, and even the elders are, are you know, we, we have to talk through this and work it out yeah. and how real, how doable is even that? <clears throat> is that an option or is it not an option? Yeah. But the but the but the the fundamental issue for me is, while we're talking through um, the, because what you're here's what we're not we're not talking through ideology. We know what our concept is. We know what Correct. the goal is. We know what we believe. What we're talking through is the how to. Mm. Not, not only how to get there, but how are we going to manage what we're doing now without letting go of our values and our biblical convictions. So, for for me, the danger of being idealistically driven is that um, we can actually get in the way of what God could be doing mm. through us um, if we would remain faithful but flexible. And I'm not trying to be cute when I say that. I'm just saying like you can you can be faithful to God but be flexible with some of your approaches. Yeah. Yep. Not with not with biblical absolutes, never with biblical absolutes, no. but with some of our approaches, you, you have to be a little more flexible. And and for me, that's hard because I tend to associate um, biblical, clear biblical propositions that are absolutes with eh, some of my preferences. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little. Yeah, you're a mingler. Uh, I like to I like to mingle them. Yeah, you like, like to uh, put them together them. And, then, and then you know make you know uh, come at us for not agreeing with you. Mm-hmm. You know, every once in a while, I'll do that. Every once in a while, yeah. Every Wednesday. Not every Wednesday. First of oh, all, we oh, don't meet now, every Wednesday. But now we meet every <laughs> other Wednesday. But we <laughs> were meeting every lying. Wednesday. Caught you lying. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think in general, um, I want maybe more churches are struggling with being uh, overly uh, pragmatic and not very biblical. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, but some churches are definitely struggling with um, being pragmatic and they, they lose sight of biblical principle Correct. and the, those important truths. And then other churches are so focused on the biblical truths and the picture of perfection that they simply can't get much done uh, because they are not willing to be creative or patient or flexible in those areas that are not absolutes. Yeah. I wouldn't want us to be flexible on the <laughs> biblical absolutes. Yeah, and so, I mean, you know, you might not be looking at a third service, but you might maybe you're looking at a second service or... Or maybe you're uh, thinking through, you know, hey, do we move from hymnals to the projector? Do we do we take the pews out right. and put the chairs in? Do we? How do we? What is our philosophy of ministry when it comes to our youth ministry? Is it right. going to be, you know, entertainment driven? I'm not trying to say that in a negative sense, but, but that's stupid. But <laughs> attractional, yeah. Some would Dumb. say it's not. No, I think there's there's yeah. a sense right. of having fun. Terrible or sit down discipleship. Yeah. Yeah, like that. Which is equally, bo- can no. be boring. No, that's awesome. Oh, yes, it can. So there good. has to be some mix and you don't. No. Stop it. So this is an ideology. That yeah. <laughs> but these are things that you might have to sort through or how your mission program is or your evangelism or your community groups or, yeah. or all these things. Everything that you're doing, you have an ideology that you need to be sorting through together and figuring out, okay, what can, as Joe said, how do I remain faithful and yet continue to be flexible when God right. is pressing in on my ideology. This is why, you know, the the real important concept here to have is a fleshed out philosophy of ministry. Yeah. You need a, you, every church um, needs to have a philosophy of ministry that clearly articulates its priorities, 
um, and its practices. Yeah. Right. So you have to know this is um, this is what we're about. This is our emphasis. This is our vision, and this is how we roll. This is how we do things. That way, when you're looking at an issue where there might you might need to make some changes, you can evaluate whether or not a said change or a proposed idea is is worth making, or if you can make it. If it's going to ultimately conflict with your philosophy of ministry and undermine what you're doing, Correct. then you don't you don't do it. Yeah, yeah, you don't but, need the t-shirt cannon. Oh, I don't know. I kind of want a t-shirt. You kind of want a t-shirt. I kind of want a t-shirt cannon because <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure I could put my my daughter's guinea pigs in those things. Oh my gosh! No, thump. stop it. Not not thump. not the fofo one. Oh yeah, that my my daughter has a guinea pig that looks like Jimmy. <laughs> she even calls it fofo. It's the end. It's black and white. So, Joe, how do we guard against ideology? <laughs> how do we guard against these things? Right? I guess that's part of what I was talking about is you have to have a clearly articulated philosophy of ministry that, where you recognize the difference between biblical absolutes uh, and then personal convictions and then personal preferences. I would make sure that you can, you can make a distinction between those things as you're, as you're looking at your philosophy of ministry yeah. because you not only need to protect yourself against being idealistically driven – you need to protect yourself from being overly pragmatic yeah. and having having no philosophy, no ideology, no sense of, of what's right or wrong or really what you want to go to. I think you need to protect yourself from, from ideology by recognizing on the front end that no church is going to be perfect. No. That doesn't give us an excuse to just do whatever we want or to have no convictions or to just forgive every, every wrong way of doing things uh, without addressing it, but you're not going to have a perfect church, not, not this side of the no. resurrection. But I think you also though, uh, I think we, you, you talk about protecting and protecting yourself. I think you need to protect yourself against yourself and be, uh, one of the ways to guard, I think is to be slow to speak and mm-hmm. quick to listen. Yeah. So when these things are coming up, when these things are happening, um, it's really easy for me to, to kind of get like, I feel like I, maybe I sense that I'm, at risk of losing something. Yeah. And so I want to be able to take a step back and to go to my quiet place. Yeah. And, uh, and fight the monsters, fight the monster, the monster of pride and mm. arrogance, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to kind of, and, and the monster of idealism, mm-hmm. uh, to go ahead and just kind of look and say, okay, what's good here? What's bad? Yeah. How do I respond to this? Those, appropriately? those internal struggles are good, right? Because it means, all right, well now we're actually, we're dealing with something here that matters. Mm-hmm. This is important. So you're feeling something. And, and so sometimes our resistance to change is good because like, wow, this is good. This could take us in a wrong direction. And sometimes the resistance to change isn't bad, yeah. but it's not good either. It's just a natural response because, wow, we, we don't do things that way or we haven't done them in the past. And sometimes that resistance is bad because we simply are <laughs> avoiding uh, 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 not only uh, what is happening and what is reality, but what could be yeah. an even better course of action. Um, but again, none of that's going to work or make sense if you don't have and a clear philosophy of ministry that's embraced by all the leadership. That's what's going to ultimately protect you from going in the wrong direction is a clearly articulated um, you know, philosophy of ministry. And, you know, I, I think in, in checking yourself before you wreck yourself. Yes. Yeah. Well, you, you, there's no sense. In, well, sometimes you do check yourself after you wreck yourself to make, to see just how bad you are. Mm, right. You know, yeah, you might you know, be damaged or something, but I would say that, um, 
if we're going to look at where God is leading us, right? If, if, if we're going to look at our experience as a church, wherever you're at in your church, right? We get emails from guys in these churches in different places all the time. So you're looking at where you're at and where you want to be. You're, you should be constantly evaluating what's my next step. Yeah. Like, where do I go from here? Because none of us are where we want to be, hopefully. No, 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 no church is where you no want to be. No church has arrived. Okay. So um, I, I heard that one church did. Oh, Oh, and never mind. It folded. Anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> no church is where they want to be. So you constantly have to evaluate. All right, this is where we're at. Now, what's next? Here's the problem. I think we have, for the past couple of years, we've been asking the questions, but we've been afraid to make the next step. And that's probably been good in the long run. Yeah, it's forced I us. I do to, like that we're slow. Yeah, we're slow to go. But you. But eventually, you're going to have to say, okay. We're going to have to do something here. Yeah. What is our next step to yeah. be faithful to God and to move towards uh, a more mature disciple-making uh, church existence? What's what's next for us? And that question of what's next for us is going to put our philosophy of ministry um, into contact with reality. And now we're going to have to find out like how well does this thing work? As we kind of told you guys at the, uh, the start of the whole podcast thing, uh, when Joe and I were beginning— mm. Uh, we kind of made mention that a lot of what we talk about is what we're dealing with. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, just listening in on us batting it back and forth. And so love that you guys are listening in. Would love to hear your thoughts. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Devo or on Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can head on to the website, DoctrineDevotion.com. There you can contact us. You can uh, sign up for the email blast. You can hit up the store and register for the 2018 Doctrine and Devotion Conference on the Spirit and the Church. You look like you're about to say something. I know you're waiting to say something. Oh, here he is. Here he no, is. Ready? I have nothing to say. Fresh pod every Monday and Thursday. Blog posts on Wednesdays. Video content when available. Later. See? Didn't say anything. You did right there. You had to try to get nope, the last word. Didn't. You're not going to get the last over. word. No, it's, it's done. Over. Done. Fine. God. Forget it. Wait. Stop it. Huh? You know I can just hit the button and go. Bye. Bye. Bye.